wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you're one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Don't worry, we got you. We're in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week. Amazon Prime Video, Skillshare, Robinhood, and Squarespace. Squarespace! They bring the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's getting tiger fever again, like it's 1995. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Yeah, I went out and bought all of, I got Mortal Kombat, the tiger Mortal Kombat. I got, um, I've picked them all up again. They're great. You know, LCD screens, animation, silky smooth. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, man, tiger's back. Won the PGA. Who knew? Anyway, um, Man, what a what a big week we're we're in it. We're we're going Christian. It's we're heading toward the fall, the big releases, massive games coming out, news. There's a lot to cover. We got a lot we got a big chock full show coming up. But we got a good guest to do it with. Oh, we do. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for dental layout of a chicken because from rooster teeth we have uh an awesome guest somebody that i've been wanting to have on the show for a while now she is a host and creator uh for funhouse miss alana pierce hi alana Hello. what's up how are you doing that's a very good intro i'm pumped now oh that's, that's my great. job got a, got a pump it's all it's all about the pump <laughs> nailed it <laughs> yeah thanks uh well let's keep that pump going and start the show the way we always do with story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week and you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com, or by sending us an email. Uh, any email on any topic, we're at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Alana, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I'm going to go with Telltale. Mm-hmm. So yes. uh, this week it was sort of announced that Telltale all but shut down. They have 25 people remaining to finish out. I think it's just the Minecraft Netflix project is the only thing they're finishing, which means uh, Walking Dead is not going to get its finale. Uh, no Wolf yeah. Among Us season two and a, a big studio full of people got laid off. And it's it's just such a big blow to the games industry that I think has been coming for a while, unfortunately. But uh, yeah. I was pretty shocked, Yeah, I mean, this is, it is pretty shocking, especially if you're a fan of Telltale. It's very disappointing that these stories that have been going on for years and years over many, many episodes are not going to get a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, it is even more shocking when you hear uh, that they were literally hiring people last week, yeah. uh, which is is bizarre. And for me, this is a story about the games industry. Uh, we, we hear 
closures of uh, these studios, you know, weekly. We maybe not weekly, but far too often you hear these closures. Capcom closed a studio this week mm-hmm. uh, in Vancouver, I believe. Um, it happens quite often that that a company or a uh, a developer will ship a game and then everybody gets fired. Uh, this happened out of the blue, according to a lot of the people who got fired. Uh, no severance, no uh, no notice at all. Just you guys are fired. Goodbye. Uh, many of the people laid off. 200, uh, 225 of their 250 employees were, were fired. And uh, many of them, most of them, in fact, were contract workers who don't even qualify for unemployment benefits. It's just terrible. Uh, And I tweeted out, I I mean, this is perhaps a a little, you know, more of my personal feeling on the, on the subject, but I tweeted out that that this is yet another example of why the games industry needs to unionize. It's just so sad to hear these stories over and over and over again. And these developers who work incredibly grueling hours during crunch periods to get these games out, sacrifice time with their family or just <laughs> their own sanity. And they are, that, that earns them no- nothing from the, from their yeah. employers. And it's pretty, uh, pretty egregious in my opinion. I think it extends to a lot of media as well, just sort of everything in the games industry, because the attitude from so many employers for such a long time has been, you're lucky to work here. And fact is, for every person who gets a job at Telltale, if they quit because they're unhappy with working conditions, someone else who desperately wants to work in games is going to take their place. And I think employers exploit that and take advantage of that. And it's it's awful. Um, they definitely need to unionize. And I think like Telltale's problem, uh, they had layoffs last year. And we've heard about a lot of, you know, insiders have given us uh, a lot of information about development issues. Like I know from writers who had worked there, they said they'd had the whole story written and then season, or sorry, episode four comes out and some executive comes in and scraps the whole thing and they have to start from the start. And, you know, it's it's very unorganized. But um, from my understanding, talking to some Telltale employees over the years, it seems like uh, their biggest problem when it comes to money and needing to actually shut down is all licensing. So they Mm. spend a lot of money to get licenses for game of Thrones, for Batman, for Minecraft, for guardians of the galaxy, all these huge properties that you would think on paper, everyone wants to play a video game version of, but people didn't, it didn't work after the, admittedly really incredible hook of the walking dead which at the time was so different to anything that we'd played before but then virtually every game they came out with after that felt exactly the same and they just kind of lost the appeal but was still spending money on these huge licenses to try to get people back in and it just didn't work for them it's it's unfortunate but i feel like people have seen it coming for a while yeah yeah, you you make we make really good points, and these are these are things, Christian, that you've said several times as a big fan of those early Telltale games. You have not stuck around, despite the fact that there have been some IP that they that should be in, right in your wheelhouse that that you, you know you should be signing up for um, because it you've, you've said over and over that it felt a little samey and they're kind of stuck in a rut. Um, do you think that explains a lot of what happened here? 
Yeah, I think I think that is a lot what happened. And I think, um, you know, Walking Dead season one, I believe if it wasn't my game of the year, the year in which it came out, it was, you know, top three. And I know in that discussion way back in the day on Weekend Confirmed when we had it, Jeff, but mm-hmm. it's been, um, you know, the engine and kind of that when that uh, when it first came out, like Lana said, it was so revolutionary. And then it became very formulaic. And unfortunately, the games all had a similar feel and similar pace, the conversation, the not bugs, but the problems with the engine started to show their head a little more because you also had games like Gone Home, which is different. You know, Life is Strange, a little more similar. Uh, and, and getting into this type of narrative-based gameplay that Telltale did so well, other companies were starting to do. And then so you started to see the the issues with Telltale's engine a little bit more, how, care, you know, it'd be like a very slow walk across the room and a pause. And then someone says, do you want water? Pause, walk across a room. And it, I think all of that, along with other game, other studios making games that could scratch some similar itches, um, kept people away. And then I think part of it too, and I don't know the production realities of it, but a lot of these games would end up on Humble Bundles or as PlayStation Plus for the first chapters. And there were so many of them kind of coming out. It felt to me at least that none of them felt like I needed to play because, oh, there's a Minecraft one and, and now there's the Batman one. And now there's the 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 specialness of it wore off as we kind of got bombarded with all of these IP-based Telltale games. I do actually wonder how much of it being episodic hurt casual audiences like if they're trying to get these licenses to bring in game of thrones fans or batman fans who haven't necessarily played that type of game before does the fact that it's seasonal put casual players off like i'm willing to wait because i play some games like their seasons anyway i've been playing persona 5 for almost a year i pick it up and then i put it down because the way that dungeons work in that game it works seasonally and i, I was and that fine with doing a year that long also. exactly <laughs> it takes you 100 hours anyway but i was fine with doing that with hitman as well um with it being episodic but i wonder like how many of the more casual or broader audiences they're going for are like wait a minute what do you mean i have to wait and i can't finish this thing because it does seem like a long time to wait for episodes that are around 2 hours and you don't necessarily yeah. know when the next one is coming. Like, I feel like that development cycle probably didn't pay off for them in the long run. But I, I don't I don't know. It's interesting. There was a that. period there when, when it, it, there was a lot of buzz about episodic. It felt like episodic was going to be the next big thing. Uh, I mean, this is several years ago now. But uh, it, it, there was a lot of people talking about, oh, that, you know, that's the only way to make game design uh, to um, – financially solvent is to have it be episodic so you don't have to spend all your money up front and and what happened was sort of uh um <laughs> putting games out before they're finished was was the replacement for episodic it wasn't that we put out these finished episodes uh it's that we put things out in in you know in green light and and in you know in in an unfinished state and in, in sort of uh continuing to pay us while we make it mm. uh and i thought i think that's interesting but telltale was one of the few studios that actually stuck to an episodic structure and and i think you bring up an interesting point alana it's not clear whether that helped or hurt them to me but maybe maybe it was a negative from a gamer's perspective yeah it depends how many people are buying season passes and i get you know uh, being gamers or being part of the games community it f- somehow the industry has tricked us into thinking it's totally fine 
to buy something, even if you have no idea what the contents are. Somehow that works on people who play video games a lot. But I imagine hey, you be quiet like... about my next story. You 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 keep your mouth <laughs> very strange. But I feel like for some for people who aren't inside the games community, that concept doesn't make any sense, and they'd be vehemently against it. And you know, these games were on mobile as well. I actually, I think the first time I played The Walking Dead was on iPad, and it was like one of the first iPad games that I actually really liked. Uh, and I, I feel like for those people, they're like, wait a minute, what? What do you mean? Can't I just put in the money to get more health? Like, because even that is like something that you just like, it's a microtransaction and it's instant. I just don't, I don't know how well that's going up. And I, I really wonder if um, the Final Fantasy VII remake is still going to be episodic. I feel like it's probably not at this point. We don't know, but it was announced to be. I feel like they're probably like, mm, maybe we shouldn't do that now. It has this, to be you've seen this. That this may have ripple effect in, in the entire business model of, of episodic. Yeah, That's interesting. I think yeah. so. And I know it's a separate issue, and I know I, I harped on this a little bit, and it is it is one of the crosses that I like to bear, and I apologize for how advocate-y this may come off, but I do want to emphasize, again, this idea of unionizing the game industry because uh, you know people have various opinions on unions. I happen to be a person who has benefited greatly from unions, both because my dad was a union worker all growing up and because I have been a member of several unions in my life. Uh, and I know this is a separate issue from why Telltale failed and the, the ramifications of Telltale failing from an industry's perspective, from a game's perspective. But too often we hear of just these atrocious working conditions and really uh, unfortunate layoffs and, and people just left high and dry after sacrificing a lot for their companies. There is a, a group called uh, Game Workers Unite that is uh, trying to unionize the games industry. They put out a, a statement, which I thought was pretty strong and powerful. Uh, they said, we cannot continue to be reactive to these events. It's a losing battle. We can't just send out job listings after a, every major studio closure. We have to be proactive. We have to be unionized before these disasters escalate too far. And I really believe that. I, I saw lots of people, good-intentioned people on Twitter as this news was breaking. Many of my friends in, at companies, at developers uh, who were talking about, hey, we're hiring, we're hiring, we're hiring. But I think this statement kind of hits to the heart of the matter, which is, that's just putting your finger in the dike. That's just playing whack-a-mole with the problem, which is, okay, we'll pick up these people who got fired. And then the next time more people will get fired and they'll try to find new jobs for them. Yeah. But the structure is broken. The, the industry really doesn't value its employees in a way it should. This is too common. And I, for one, really believe I would put my money where my mouth is. If it meant the price of games went up a little bit, because uh, we needed to, you know, have some job security or some some benefits for for these workers and not have everybody be contract workers, I would be willing to do it. So, um, yeah. So, question for you, since you know, I, I totally agree that it should be unionized, but I don't actually know that much about unions. What would happen if developers at Telltale? put together a union, but then parent company didn't recognize it. Like, do companies have the option to just be like, no, we don't recognize your union. It's not valid and just not act on it. Absolutely. But the the idea here would be that 
anybody that wanted to work in the games industry would get together any any current workers in the games industry and say the idea of a union is we we band together and we engage in collective bargaining so all of us get a certain thing or none of us get it and that's the whole idea of a union is this collective bargaining agreement where we say hey if we can't all have x y and z we negotiate with our employers and if we can't have x y and z then none of us work and you can't get the talent you need to make games. Um, so that's, that's really the only bargaining chip that you have as a union is, Hey, we all stand strong together and all of the talent that you want to hire, uh, won't work unless everybody gets a certain level of treatment. So, yeah. you know, it, it works. And it, it, I know that a lot of people, I'm sure I'll get very strongly worded emails because a lot of people have strong opinions on this, but I couldn't let the story go by without, talking about it from the heart, because I think this is something that needs to happen. I think Alana made a, a great point where she mentioned it's a dream job for a lot of people. And right. I think because of that, you have people willing to work for less than ideal conditions. And I know in the inter- entertainment industry is also that way. And in stand-up comedy, the the book I'm dying up here, not the Showtime show, which is excellent and kind of loosely based off the book, but the book is a true account of kind of stand-up in Hollywood in the seventies. And it, you know, talks about the strike and comedians trying to unionize and how that effort failed, um, for a number of reasons, but partly because people were willing to, <laughs> they just wanted to work. They wanted to get stage time. They wanted to, you know, break out and become the celebrity or whatever it was going to be. Um, and I think there are a lot of issues toward, I'm not saying that it wouldn't be worth pursuing, but I think there are a lot of, um, hurdles, in that path. And I think things like the Screen Actors Guild and the WGA do a lot of things that are right, but they also have been around for a very long time and are born out of a, of, of a different system where there's still a lot of exploitation in the entertainment in- industry with people not getting union cards and commercials going non-union and uh, what you need to do to get your SAG card and what that means and the money spent. So I don't think it's, I, while I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Jeff, I don't think it's as easy as um, I think potentially you're making it sound where I don't think it's going to be a, a quick well, fix. I do not intend to make it sound easy. I think it would be a very uh, uncomfortable transition if if this industry did it, but it would be very much worth it in the long run. But yeah, it would it will be a very difficult and trying transition if that were to happen and it would it will probably cause a lot of strife but uh you can't look at these stories that happened over and over and over again and you hear about the working conditions and the way people are just absolutely ground down to the bone and not feel like this is there's something wrong here and then just cast aside at the end just cast aside and said well sorry Today is your last day. You no, know, I mean, there was a story in this article about uh, somebody who got the job at Telltale last week and relocated for the job, and then uh, Telltale doesn't exist anymore. Like that's come on, that's that's egregious and uh, shameful. Anyway. I did see a tweet from an ex uh, Telltale employee saying something. I'd be paraphrasing, but something along the lines of. It doesn't matter how many late nights I worked or how much blood, sweat, and tears I put into any of these projects. I don't have a job right now. And I think that one hit me really hard because a lot of my time starting out in media was a lot like that. Like working insane hours, trying to cover video games, not getting paid enough. And at the end of it, like when I'd stopped working for a certain company, I'd be like, I put so much time into that and it never paid off. 
it never none of it was ever rewarded and to to have that same thing happen to someone working at telltale working for such a long time and believing in something and investing in something and then getting laid off and being like oh all of that time is just gone now it doesn't amount to anything and that's so awful because these are people with lives and families and it's hard but i do want to say while i agree that it's kind of a uh I don't want to say useless, but the cycle of people, you know, being laid off and then people sharing what jobs are available is not productive. But I do think that a lot of uh, the game dev community on Twitter is just, it's really nice seeing them be so supportive to one another. Like it is, you yes. know, even if it's not fixing the problem fundamental, fundamentally, it's been, it's just been so nice to see people really genuinely trying to help each other out and everyone understanding you know, what that feels like and how terrifying that must be. And I don't feel like we're seeing as much criticism of Telltale as I would have thought. No one's blaming the devs. I haven't seen anyone be like, they were lazy and their products weren't good enough. It's mostly been like, I'm so sorry. And I hope you all get back on your feet. And it it has been nice to see that at least. I agree. And I certainly wouldn't want uh, anything I said to take away from that. I I do agree that that, uh, I think people are, uh, the community as a whole is, uh, uh, really responding in a very positive way, but I, I think the community could go farther. I think all those, I think that's exactly the strength. And and when you have people looking out for each other, and actually locking arms and saying we are one instead of uh, you know instead of catch as catch can, it's powerful. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. But uh, <laughs> Christian, what is your story of the week? Well, I feel I feel like a fool for mentioning it now. Uh, I'll say one that's not on the list yet, but just an update to our listeners. Uh, I tweeted it out. Did I say this last week? I don't think I did it last week. I have officially canceled my uh, RTX 2080 Ti pre-order. Your story of the week is is <laughs> no, your no, no, no. I said that wasn't my story. Oh my I said it God. wasn't. I said Mr. it wasn't. Everybody my story. is hanging on pins and needles about I what Christian's buying or not it buying. Wasn't my In story. Fact, the entire week is defined by whether I Christian got something. It or not. wasn't my story. <laughs> but I needed to mention that because as Alana makes me feel bad about pre-ordering things that I don't know what are. I definitely pre-ordered a PlayStation Classic. I am not canceling it. They've only announced five games that are going to be in it. But it is paying $99 to have my childhood for 15 minutes again. Um, I'm old and it was worth it. Does that make, <laughs> does that make sense? Uh, the news is the PlayStation Classic was announced. Think Nintendo NES Mini or SNES Mini. Two controllers. I think it's 35% the size of the original PlayStation. OG controllers. No analog sticks even. Uh, and like I said, they announced five, <laughs> they've only announced five games, but pre-orders are already sold out. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, uh, Jumping Flash, great game. Ridge Racer Type 4, not the Ridge Racer I would have picked. Tekken 3, <laughs> amazing game. Wild Arms, also amazing game. And then 15 other games I don't know what are, but I bought it anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter to you. <laughs> um, okay, let's tear into this. So yes, the big news is uh, it's coming. It's 100 bucks. It looks just like an old PS1, but tinier. Um, where could they possibly have gotten this idea from? <laughs> uh, um, uh, Alana, first of all, are you excited about this? And second of all, guys, we have to talk about what those other 15 games should be. But let's Who talk cares? about first. I already bought it. <laughs> are you excited about that? Are you Are you pre-ordering one? Are you excited about this? What's your feeling? I feel like I'm just going to paint myself to be such a big contrarian. But A, yes, I'm excited. The, my reaction to the announcement was like, oh my God, yes, more of this. But then the part of my brain that analyzes this industry professionally is like, 
why do we keep buying the same games? <laughs> it's it's absurd. Like I think Xbox has done Member such berries. a good job and never gets much praise for it that I can put in an original Xbox game that I still own and play it for free. So the fact that this is happening, we're having to buy this thing over again for games that, you know, Final Fantasy VII, how many times have I bought that now? It's like, it's it's not very consumer friendly and I can't get that out of my head that it's just another big company in the games industry being like, give us more money for the same thing you've already given us money for. That said, I'm going to give them money. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I'm very torn on it. Like it's wrong and we shouldn't have to keep buying the same thing, but damn it, it's so cute and convenient and I want it. Um, I really like the design. A, Go ahead. I was gonna say if you have a PlayStation Three, you can already you can just put in PlayStation One discs. Uh, even doesn't matter what model of PlayStation Three, HDMI out, plug it in and play. But yeah, it's uh, it's a nice. It looks so good on the shelf, Jeff. It looks does it, it does look really it's nice. tiny. Does it look nice on the shelf? I don't know. Here's what doesn't look nice on the shelf: uh, the cords attaching the controllers to it. Uh, I mean, I know that's a retro thing and it's consistent, but can't we put out these new, new retro consoles with Bluetooth controllers or, you know, come on, we can do that, right? We can cut the cord. We can make that part of the update and miniaturization of these things. Can't we? I'm already paying a hundred dollars for a corded controller. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, I think obviously cute. Uh, I don't have as much nostalgia for PS one as, others do uh it was not that was not i mean i played a heck of a lot of ps1 games of course but um i don't know for me polygons in their early years is not the same as sprites in their early years uh there's something i find charming and uh timeless about sprites that i do not find to be the case with polygons so uh, I don't think this experience of of revisiting these old games is going to be quite as pleasurable as it will, was with my Super Nintendo Mini, for example. So then how would you feel about uh, N64 Mini or Classic? Yeah, again, I mean, Same. the N64 has, I think, uh, some games that, you know, obviously uh, Super Mario World or uh, uh, Mario 64 is probably worth it alone and that and the controller for the n64 is so unique and different and iconic and and there's there's something to that console that might warrant it i wouldn't run out and buy the n64 mini like i would yeah me too in a heartbeat (laughs) (laughs) all right well i'm the only one then i guess that is is a little less than excited about the ps1 cluster but i don't want to rain on anybody's parade let's talk about games i think the five they've announced are a great start but uh, everybody online has done their other 15. We don't have to do 15, but I'd like to sample you guys and see what, for me, I, I'll start. I'll start. I don't want to put everybody on the spot, but I'll start. It's uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 or GTFO, right? Um, that's What's GTFO? I didn't play that. Uh, that's Gran Turismo for <laughs> online? I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, so that is my biggest request uh, tony hawk's pro skater 2 i put many 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 hours into uh and enjoyed very very much uh alana do you have a, a game or two that you would love to see as part of this remaining 15 hashtag remaining 15 <laughs> metal Gear solid mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. castlevania symphony of the night and yes i'm also gonna go resident evil 2 oh um, yeah okay even though we're getting a remake a yeah, remaster but it's, it, but it's a very different situation like i feel like playing it on 
what is effectively a PS1 makes it a little different. Um, like, I'm still excited about Final Fantasy VII, even if we're getting a Final Fantasy VII remake. I'd also probably do, like, Vagrant Story, Chrono Cross. Um, I mean, Final Fantasy IX is my favorite Final Fantasy, even though I've already played that a million times. Just came out on PS4 again. It's already on PC and all that. But Metagast Solid is the big one for me, definitely. I feel like uh, there are those games, Symphony of the Night and, and Metal Gear Solid, they feel like games that are uh, less likely simply because they're not first party, right? Yeah. So I, I think how Metal Gear Solid is. is almost definitely not going to happen being Konami, but I would like it. It certainly feels like they would have mentioned it if it was one of those, you know? Yeah. It feels like that game in particular they would have made one of the five they told but i wonder if it's like an issue of them not revealing it as the big five because it is maybe they do have some that aren't first party and they're closing deals or like i don't know waiting for those companies to announce them on their own terms or something like that yeah it feels like those company those big marquee games that aren't owned outright by sony it feels like uh those companies could potentially say hey we could do our own retro-y thing with yeah. that I mean, title. Especially, you know? again, both of those two are Konami. Yeah. Which is like, right. eh, they'd probably do it themselves if they were going to do it. Also, they probably aren't going to do it. Right. But I can dream. Uh, Chris- yes. <laughs> Christian, how about you? You got, a, you got a couple of wish list games? Oh, boy, do I. But I do think that is the hard part of both the this PlayStation 1 Mini and an N64 Mini is that so many of the great games were these third-party licensed games. Um, for me, for the PlayStation and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, even without an analog, I still want Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, even though I have it on Dreamcast and have it in a million other places that I could play it whenever, but I would love that to be included. Uh, Spider-Man, which probably won't because that's Activision, but maybe because of the PlayStation 4 Marvel relationship in Spider-Man and that game being so incredible. Uh, Wipeout, even though I have all the Wipeouts. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid and then Gran Turismo 2. Uh, those would be that kind of, off the top of my head, short list games. So let me ask you this question, Christian. Not to not to impugn anything. I, I, I'm all for you getting excited about this and no, when i love loving things your job is to hate hating them I yeah it. i mean ahead. we have to we have to yang for your yin each other's yins um but would you have purchased this without knowing any of the games or was there a game in the list that made you pre-purchase so yes i would have and the reason being see my uh prelude non-story story it's much easier to cancel a pre-order than it is to not be able to get one come December 3rd. So I, I mean, I understand that's your MO. I'm very familiar with your MO yeah. of, of like, don't think about it now, but think about it in the period between when you bought it and when uh, it actually there's arrived. Actu- there's actual scarcity to it. Right. And yeah. so I need to put money up front. Very actually not any where with uh, best buy where they're not charging my card until it ships. So I need to put that placeholder charge down uh, in order to secure one if I want one, but reviews aren't out yet. So that's where I was at the 2080 Ti. And then this too, they announced it and put it on pre-orders before releasing what's on it. That, I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, I It is ridiculous, but also effective, clearly. Uh, <laughs> I might cancel. <laughs> I, I totally understand that that's a legitimate thing and it is the truth for you. Hashtag. But it's also a dodge of the question. It's also a dodge. No, so are, no, you need to reframe the question then. If I had to give up a hundred dollars, I couldn't get back, but I would get the product. Right. 
would I do that if I didn't know what the games are? No. The answer is no, I would not. You wouldn't have. I would not. No. Okay. So really you're just, you just want to be one of the cool kids is what's happening. I, I, I feel as I, I hope that there are great games on it and I hope that I love it and I would want to have it when it comes out. You were next to me when I did my 20, 2080 pre-order and I looked to make sure I could cancel it after reviews come out that's very important yeah, i know to me. i know i know but that's not the fun part of the, the, the <laughs> what's the fun part uh, the fun part okay so so th- i think what we've we've done is hone in on the fun part which is now there is this pressure what is the game that's going to be the yes or no game like what it, it feels like is are any of the five they've announced the already you're like definitely i'm, I'm getting this because if you're saying if i didn't know any of the games i wouldn't have done it but now i have done it these five games. So, but I might cancel it. If you, the canceling it is going to be based on the remaining 15 or did these five games already do it for you? I, I would guess that I will not cancel it. Uh, I just need one other, one or two other good ones. Final fantasy seven. I know I can play that other places, but playing that on a little PlayStation, uh, you were never, you, know, you were not going to play final fantasy seven. I guarantee not you. all of it, but I'll play like 10 hours of it. 10 minutes. You will play 10 minutes of it. Jeff, don't project you onto me. <laughs> Okay, I was, we're, I know we're in and, and t- Tekken three. Now I want you to ask as we argue, but I want you to ask all of fine. these rude questions to our wonderful guest and see see uh, see how someone else takes your uh, cross examination well, counselor. I didn't pre order it. Like see? in in my head, I wanted to, but I I respect your strategy. I think the idea that if you're interested in something, then you pre order it. And then you're like, mm, I had six months to decide, decided I'm not that into it and cancel it. I think that is smart. It's like a compulsive purchase, but it's a pre-order. So you can get your money back. And I collect um, statues and figures. I have a lot of them. And a company called First Four Figures just came out with a Banjo-Kazooie one. And their statues are really expensive. It's like $400. And I was like, well, I'm going to pre-order this immediately. I can always get my money back if I decide it's too much. But when it first came out, I was so excited that I was like, I'm going to pre-order it just in case. And I think I'm going to keep that pre-order. But they've had other stuff that I've like pre-ordered because I've just compulsively, I really wanted it. And then I cancel it. And like, I think, I think I get where you're coming from. But at the same time, like with, with this, where it is games that you can play other places. I mean, you can play virtually all of those games. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. still possible yeah. so it's really just the novelty of it it's it's it kind of like a yes. it's just like a if you're a person who has disposable income it's a cute thing to buy and i feel like if i were going to, like i'd buy the n64 classic in a heartbeat and i think that the reason that i would really want it would be to dis- display it somewhere to have it in my house and just be able to look at it because it's cute i don't know that i'd touch it that much which means they've won <laughs> 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 that's a great assessment uh i just want to throw in one more game that would tickle me i know tekken is already in there so they may have their polygonal fighters already covered but battle arena toshinden is way closer to my heart than tekken i know that's kind of blasphemy for people that actually love fighting games as far as quality i think tekken is viewed as being the more sophisticated game but i, I played so much battle arena toshinden with my buddies, and I think we like m- memorized all the all the vocal lines, all the uh, little sound bites from that game. Ah, uh, Paddlerina Toshinden and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two. Those are the, those are my two. Uh, in, in my defense, I would like to point out to our listeners: I do cancel the pre-orders. I don't get them and then sell them on markup on third-party 
I'm not trying to make a profit. I give them back to let other people buy them. You're not trying to make a profit. You're trying to experience a very complex psychological roller coaster ride. That's really all you're yes. in for. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Speaking of uh, complex psychological roller coaster rides, uh, I want to thank our first sponsor, Amazon Prime Video Channels. Uh, if you're into roller coaster rides of the psychological variety, uh, chances are you're watching great television. We're in the golden age of television, and we're also in the golden age of Amazon Prime. Uh, it, Amazon Prime. The thing that's amazing about Amazon Prime is it's become essential. There's no human that I can imagine that wouldn't find some value out of Amazon Prime. It's pretty crazy. And now Amazon Prime is it has Amazon video channels. You can create a TV lineup based on the channels you want from over 100 premium and specialty channels like Showtime, Stars, HBO, CBS All Access, PBS Kids, uh, PBS Masterpiece, tons and tons of options here. And you create your own Channels, the shows and channels that interest you. You want to watch Game of Thrones? Throw that HBO on there. You got kids? You, you want to do kids stuff? You got kids? It's you only pay for the channels you want. It's this is the way it should be instead of, uh, you know, a package you don't need. And uh, and you can you can also play all this stuff because it's over the Internet on over 650 connected devices. They have a Prime Video app on over 650 connected devices. Fire TV, Roku, Apple TV, plus your your televisions, <laughs> your Vizio TVs, your Sony, your LGs, your Samsung TVs. They have apps on smart TVs. Tablets goes without saying. <laughs> Phones goes without saying. It, obviously, that's part of the 650. And it's just good. W- watch the stuff you want to watch when you want to watch it and on the device you want to watch it. This is the way you want to deal with all of the things. Let this be easy. And we're going to help you out. So you only play, pay for the channels you want with Prime Video Channels. You start your free trial of over 100 channels by visiting tryprimechannels.com slash DLC. That's tryprimechannels.com slash DLC to start your free trial today. Give it a shot. I think it's going to transform the way you watch television. It's pretty awesome. All right. Uh, time to talk about my story of the week, which, well, you know, is Tokyo Game Show. Uh, that's where the news from the PlayStation Classic came from or about the PlayStation Classic came from. Uh, Tokyo Game Show used to be one of those big tentpole events that would have a lot of breaking news. Not so much anymore, mm-hmm. but we did get... A new Death Stranding trailer. Uh, did you guys were you guys on the edge of your seat about the new Death Stranding trailers? Oh, I thought we were going to talk about something else. I guess the rules have changed. <laughs> did you have that prepared? Uh, I, mean... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like I like that Cade died and moved to Death Stranding. Yeah, right? yeah, he is very much Cade, very Cade. A uh, Troy Baker uh, makes an appearance. He's a, he plays a character, I guess, the antagonist. Or an antagonist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't know anything about. This is a game about cutscenes, evidently, uh, and we get a b- abbreviated cutscene in this new trailer with a. I pre-ordered it. <laughs> of course <laughs> you did. A uh, big, uh, scary monster with a golden face. A uh, little scary man with a golden face. Um, Alana, I would love to get your opinion on Death Stranding. The thing is, Death Stranding. Right, right now, what they're doing is just releasing a series of short films 
None of them make any mm. sense to me, and I love it. <laughs> they could keep doing that forever and not release the game. I'd be on board, but uh, I did actually visit Kojima Productions. Careful what Japan. you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I visited Kojima Productions in Japan just a couple of weeks ago. Um, got to see The Office, which is incredibly cool. And that game is actually on its way. I've had so many doubts that they weren't really working on it, but no, they're, they're currently like actually just at the stage where they've started bringing on uh, QA testers. So it's it's getting out there. Um, I have no idea what it is. I suspect that it's going to be a lot more walking simulator than anyone would imagine. I think there's going to be a hell of a lot of walking because you play a delivery man. And I have some mm. theories. Um, this trailer did not add any credence to any of my theories, except now we know that there's a man who can control all of the weird black goop that exists in that universe. <laughs> it's just, just more questions, but I'm okay with them. Was there... Something you saw at Kojima Productions that you were not able to talk about, or are, or what is it that you saw there that made you heartened about the progress? Just people working, yeah. <laughs> people the fact, in an office, the fact that typing away. The, there's nothing I saw that I'm not allowed to talk about. It's just the fact that they're in the QA stage, so that they're actually testing bugs. Um, okay, and that's outsourced, so it's not the dev team who's testing bugs. Like they actually have mm-hmm. people from sony who are in there you know bug testing that that generally comes in later stages of development rather than during development if it's outsourced uh so i don't know i feel like that maybe means the game's coming out sometime next year but they wouldn't tell me so i don't know <laughs> that is encouraging that yeah. is encouraging you, you, you have to have something to test i guess um boy this is christian uh your 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 roller coaster ride of psychology uh, uh... What do you think Kojima has a great track record of releasing amazing games. True. So, so yes, he's no longer at Konami, but depending on the stories uh, you've heard about Konami, they might have impeded him releasing games uh, as much as they forced him to actually release them, right? There's both sides to that coin of them saying, just get this thing out, and anecdotes of, of, of him saying that they prevented work from happening that you know, he wanted to happen and that the team was working on. But so far, great track record of releasing some of my favorite games, um, you know, over four console generations now, if not before. Eh, I wasn't a huge fan of the NES one. So um, just because I don't think I knew about them <laughs> when I was that little. Uh, but yeah, I have I have full faith and credit. The um, engine is a proven engine that's incredible from Guerrilla Games and Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, he keeps recruiting top tier talent. So he's either, you know, a next level Steve Jobs type person that you talk to him and you're like, I'll do it. Use my likeness. Or there's something really compelling here that's happening. And I want to believe it's the latter and that this thing is going to come out. It's going to be awesome. If I got to play, um, oh, I just blanked on it. Come Ico, Shadow of the Colossus, Last, Last Guardian. Guardian. I got to play The Last Guardian. I know different developer and I'm saying like, Think miracles happen, right? Games come out. Well, uh, Half Life Three. I think people don't credit his. Uh, his basically, I don't know if it's lead producer is the right word, but producer on uh, the game is Ken Imaizumi, who you know shipped Silent Hill and shipped. I mean, I think he's worked on almost uh, every Metal Gear. He worked on Castlevania: Symphony of the Night. Like, so he's got a producer who is the person who is going to be like. Here's what you can keep. Here's what you can't keep. Let's keep the game going. Like he does have a team of people who 
even if we like to think of Kojima as this darling who's creative and weird and he can make whatever he wants, he still does have people who are keeping him on track and those are incredibly experienced people. So I don't think it's like going to get too out of hand. Um, of course, it's probably going to be weirder than Konami ever would have allowed as a company who is so <laughs> aggressively driven by profit and maybe uh, Kojima Productions isn't as much. But he does he does still have people keeping him in check. <laughs> we know that much. And there's a documentary being made about the game uh, that's already been being filmed, I think, for like eight months now. So things are definitely happening. Um, they released a bunch of new merch at TGS as well. It's just the, the fact is we just don't know what it is. Uh, so it's their marketing strategy that's strange more so than anything. Yeah. <laughs> I have faith that I will enjoy the game. But I am very ready for this game to be awesome yeah. and to love it. I mean, I love Metal Gear Solid five uh i am i am ready to love this i'm ready for it to blow me away i I just haven't seen anything yet that makes me want to play be in that world it's just i mean it's beautiful and the performances look striking but uh it just so full of ennui and uh, melancholia you know it just feels like uh uh, babies and jars okay don't even feel like it is that beautiful. I feel like what we've seen of the world has been just like a lot of rocks and mountains. Like that engine is great yeah. and everything looks realistic. I don't feel like it's that pretty. Yeah, I think hmm. that's maybe more what I mean is that it, it is beautifully realized. Uh, yeah. Not not that it necessarily has an aesthetic that I find appealing. It is more that right. clearly there's a lot of horsepower at play <laughs> and it and it is yeah. uh, it's pushing the boundaries of what I what I have expected to see visually on, on a video game. So. You know, that's exciting, I guess. Um, anyway, yeah. I, I tend to be negative about that game, and I don't mean to be. I really want it to be amazing. I just, it's just such a, such an odd thing. And maybe that's what people like about it, is that it's, it's not like any other lead up to a video game. It's this, there's no way to anticipate what you'll see. I mean, I'm very excited about Red Dead Redemption 2 as well, but it's pretty obvious what we're going to see on the lead up of that game. Mm-hmm. Dude on a horse doing some horsey dude stuff, <laughs> you know, frontier towns. And, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, it's pretty expected. <laughs> this is uh, every time you get something new, it's like, oh, there's a man with a golden g- uh, skull face in this game. Okay, now we have that. So I think you're totally right to be apprehensive. Like, I'm not 100% positive this game is going to be good. But the thing is, I've resigned myself to knowing that I'm going to play it no matter what, because I'm so curious. Oh, like, yeah. I want to know what is going on here. And I have some theories, like, it, it seems like there's a lot of, like, death is a very big theme. Time is a very big theme. It seems like the water ages people. I'm all but positive that the baby that we keep seeing in the trailers is Norman Reedus's character. So it's mm-hmm. like he has himself. to keep himself alive mm-hmm. to prevent some kind of bad thing from happening question mark so because of the way that they've like done this marketing campaign even if this game doesn't really have any gameplay and i'm just walking between things for a long time i feel like i will stick with it just because <laughs> i want to know what's happening but i think yeah. you're right There's, we don't have any reason to believe it's going to inherently be good other than great team good engine because we haven't seen right much gameplay finally though we finally we get that triple a hundred million dollar delivery man game we've all wanted Exactly. Yeah. All right. Since let's talk. Home, we've all been asking for it. We have indeed. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's move on ourselves and talk about the games we have been playing in a segment we call the playlist. Ooh, what you playing this week? Tell us. Ooh, 
let's dig into our playlists. Uh, Alana, what have you been playing this week? I'm actually playing a fair bit of stuff at the moment. Um, so I'm going to start with a game that you I, I just anticipate you guys won't be super into is Pokemon Go. Mm. So I recently got back into uh, Pokemon Go and basically there's an event right now and it's like, you know, everyone played it for that one month and then dropped off and I did the same thing until I they announced uh, Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu. But uh, they have an event right now for all of the legendary birds. You can get them in raids and Mewtwo. And uh, I've been pretty hot on that. I've been, you know, trying to get all of the original 150 or 151 uh, Pokemon and surprisingly re-addicted to that video game that I'm just mm. like walking around playing. It's still pretty warm here in LA. So I've been having a ton of fun with that. But when I'm not outdoors, uh, mostly Spider-Man, some Destiny 2, and I just dabbled in some Overcooked this week just for fun as well. All right. Well, let's dig into each of those individually. I want to talk a little bit about Pokemon Go because uh, it is a game that is, surprised, to me, surprisingly resilient. People have stuck with yeah. it. it. It felt at the time a little bit like a flavor of the month, flash in the pan kind of thing. And it has turned out not to be that. It really is. I mean, Pokemon is a stalwart uh, IP for sure that people have a lot of... Uh, loyalty to so I'm not, i guess i'm not surprised mm-hmm. there but uh you said you got back into it after the announcement of let's the let's go let's go uh, pokemon games is it just because mm-hmm. you got excited to play those and there wasn't they weren't available yet so you're gonna do this no actually a few reasons so around the same time they announced uh friends so you can actually have friends on the game now you can friend people you send each other things every day and like if you're doing a raid battle which basically just means you go to a location, you wait in a lobby, and then you fight a really big enemy with your best Pokemon or whichever Pokemon are going to be strongest against whatever that Pokemon is. Um, you get benefits for, for doing that with friends. So part of it was the friend system uh, came. So everyone was kind of curious about that. And a lot of people in my social circle jumped back in. And that's the kind of way a lot of games like that work. Um, but it's definitely also the Let's Go integration was... The, the hook that they're giving is that you can transfer Pokemon between... Uh, Pokemon Go and the Let's Go games. And while the Let's Go games don't look like what I generally want from a Pokemon game, the fact that you can both play it co-op and uh, you can transfer your like incredibly strong Pokemon you've gotten from Pokemon Go into it is just really nice. Um, it's also, you know, just going to Japan for two weeks. Mobile games are so big there. Like, you hear about it, but everyone on the train is playing a mobile game. Mm. They they're just incredibly profitable there they are here too obviously they have an enormous market share but i feel like it's less common and part of me was just like you know what i do spend a lot of time in ubers just doing nothing i can just play pokemon go while i'm doing that Hmm. so it's it's also just convenience there was like kind of a myriad of reasons the biggest one was just when i stopped playing i was still upset that i hadn't gotten all of the original uh pokemon from the kanto region and now i'm like i can do it because right now the event is focusing on kanto pokemon so the original pokemon and i just kind of wanted to complete that pokedex because i guess the pokemon gotta catch them all marketing from when i was a kid is still ingrained in my head (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess uh, I, I saw a tweet from uh, Christian, from our friend and friend of the show, James Stevenson, who uh, we got to get back on the show, actually. Yeah, we've been talking about doing that. After uh, he makes a game I like, I'll get him back on the yeah, show. Right. He, uh, <laughs> he mentioned that he had actually got them all. In, in, Whoa. Uh, yeah, wow. Go. Like, finally did it, guys, after co- playing constantly for however many years it's been since it came out. Three? Three years? Four years? Three years since it uh, came out? Yeah, I think three. Yeah, he said he he 
completed it. Got them all. That's awesome. That's amazing, right? I do yeah. not have them all. No. Yeah, you got to keep catching them, I guess. I mean, if we're talking exactly. backpacks and Spider-Man, then I've caught them all. But otherwise, uh, I've not caught very many of them. <laughs> well, let's transition to that. I, both of you have been playing uh, more Spider-Man. I will not mispronounce it. Um, <laughs> Alana, are you are you loving it? Everybody seems to love it. I love it. it, it it's a pretty great game. I like it a lot. Uh, I really like Insomniac as a studio. I even like love the VR games they've made. I think that ah, Insomniac is incredible. After Sunset Overdrive, I was like, I really want this game from them. Um, but the one thing that I think I'm, I think it's, it's great. It's fun. I really like the characters a lot. I, I, I don't know. There's a million things that I like about it. The one thing that's getting me, and I have seen a few people talking about this, is it is a little generic. Uh, the open world mm. is a little generic. You're, you're like, you know, fight go fight bad guy and they're always the same groups of thugs giving you the same lines and i feel like there's not a ton of variety in uh the open world and i think the the most interesting discussion that comes out of that is when i was playing through breath of the wild i had a thought that was like i don't know what open world games do after breath of the wild like i think I understand some people think it's overhyped, but I think that game is absolutely incredible. And like, I don't, every experience you, you happen across in breath of the wild feels like it's tailor made for you. You feel like you're experiencing it for the first time ever. And it's a discovery. And I think this is probably the first single player open world game I've gotten really heavily invested in since then. And I keep having that thing. That's like, I feel like games have to change after breath of the wild. Things have to adapt to, to that and i think spider-man's super fun to traverse in but i feel like there's a little bit of magic in the open world missing aside from you know getting around is really fun the city's gorgeous um and i i like uh this version of peter a lot too but it's just that's interesting i'm not happy with the random encounters yeah let's let's dig into that because i think that's interesting I, i think there's two ways to interpret that and it sounds like from your perspective it's everything has to change after breath of the wild and it didn't and my perspective maybe is everything has to change after Breath of the Wild. Oh, wait, maybe there's still more to be squeezed out of this old formula. But you don't maybe you don't see it that way? I don't know. Like, that's the thing is I'm, I'm sort of undecided. Like, I thought that I had that thought that I, th- I thought everything needed to change when I was playing through that game. And I'm playing this and I'm enjoying it a lot. Mm-hmm. But I, I do feel like I want Breath of the Wild again in every open world game at this point. So I'm yeah. not I'm not hard set on that. It's just sort of the way that I'm I'm leaning is like I think that we that I, I just want more magic. I want things that blow my mind when I discover them, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like I'm getting that out of it. Yeah, is you're correct in in saying that it is definitely the old paradigm of open world games. I just found it to be uh, surprisingly joyful in that old paradigm. I found myself like Christian said, you know, I want to get all the backpacks, even though yeah. It, it is, uh, you know, ostensibly no different than getting all of anything It because they added that bit of character flair and the little vocal lines and all the little fun lore bits to the backpacks. Like it, it shows that there is a way to do that old kind of game in, in a way that's still satisfying and doesn't feel as tedious as perhaps some of the uh, later open world games felt to me. Um, yeah, I definitely agree that it feels pleasant and I almost want to say it's comforting uh, like I played uh, a few hours of Darksiders 3 that's coming out in oh, November. I think, so excited December. for that game. I got to play a fair amount of it. And um, the thing that's really nice about that game is that, and it, it feels weird to say, but it still just feels like a video game. It's still <laughs> just like a game where you solve a puzzle and you fight a boss 
and then you unlock a little bit more of the open world. Like it, they've really refined it in a lot of ways. It's modernized it, but it feels like a video game. And I'm mm. like, this is very comforting to me. Like this is what I've played most of my life. It's not trying to be a cinematic masterpiece. It's just a video game. And I really like that about it. And I think this is the same, especially after Sunset Overdrive, which is a game that you know, has some grindy stuff. They throw in a bunch of different genres. They've got the tower defense stuff. It's very video gamey, but it's still silly and fun. And I definitely think Spider-Man captures that as well. Christian, you were mentioning to me offline that uh, your estimation of Spider-Man is falling a bit as well. Yeah, well, it's uh, we need to contextualize that. I think when I spoke about it, whenever it was last week, it was currently sitting as my favorite game of the year i and and now it's somewhere in my top five so describing it as falling it's more like it stepped off of a curb a very small curb uh it's still i'm I'm loving an absolutely incredible experience um i I think for me that it's they really are nits i almost feel bad spending a lot of time picking them but when we're talking one through five in terms of that area of, of the games I've enjoyed this year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think the, the game takes you out of control of Spider-Man uh, a little more than I want it to. And I think those things, while interesting and while I understand why they're there to kind of break up the rhythm and change of pace and, you know, film and TV shows have those too to kind of reset the palette and get you ready for doing, to do something else again. Um, when you say out of control of of spider-man you mean playing as other characters or as peter parker i would include peter parker in that but yes also the other characters Mm -hmm. um and that's not the stuff if you saw a trailer for that any of those gameplay types i don't think i don't i don't want to protect other people if i saw a trailer for those gameplay types i wouldn't get excited and think i want to play that game it's like oh yes walking quietly behind boxes that's that's the game i want or turning circuits i'm gonna buy that game um, I understand why they're there, but I don't think they add, they're not as much fun as the rest of the game to me. So every time I encounter one of those scenarios, it's just like, I wish this was just a cutscene that delivered the same narrative information. Cause I like those narrative beats, mm-hmm. but the joy of playing them, I don't particularly enjoy walking around a room, pushing triangle on 10 things because I have to, before I get to go be Spider-Man again, I want to be spider-man like that's the i think we make an interesting i can we can make an interesting comparison to what we've been talking about this episode already with our expectation of death stranding (laughs) uh and i I think that the joy in those moments comes not from the mechanics of of what you're doing as much as it is the idea of who you are how you're approaching it what it means narratively the environments you're in you know, it's, it's, it's the wish fulfillment. Isn't the Spider-Man wish fulfillment. It's the wish fulfillment of experiencing his entire world in a way that fleshes out each corner of it. So Uh, yeah, to me, making that playable for me does not add anything. It's actually subtractive from the experience. It's not additive in any way that I am now given control over that scenario. So I don't think in the video gaminess of it, I, I I don't think it adds to my personal experience. I still want those narrative beats to be there. I just wish that they were presented in a more um, way, in a way that I found more compelling and interesting instead of mm-hmm. slowing me down and, and taking me from doing what I'd rather be doing. Um, and well, then let me, let me, I just want to ask Alana what she thinks about that, because um, 
you know, a lot of that is uh, Mary Jane. A lot of that is, you know, a, a female protagonist who is not just the damsel in distress, which I think is a... To be fair, though, uh, it's 100% Peter, too. Uh, I yeah. do not enjoy Peter's sections any <laughs> more than I do Mary Jane. So I'm like, no, I'm a dude. I, I do not like those either. What, what's your feeling on, on the out-of-the-tights moments in Spider-Man, Alana? I like it, but... It's, I'm saying that very subjectively, like I'm not even trying to look at it with an objective lens because I like Spider-Man and I've read a lot of comics, but I also played Quantum Break and liked the TV sections. So it's like, (laughs) I'm not saying it's good, but I don't know. I I think I generally enjoy it. You are going to love Death Stranding. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It doesn't mean it's good and like I completely would understand the criticism. Like I feel like I'm just like very removed from that. I'm like, yes, I find this endearing and charming. So it's fine. Whereas I think if it were a game that I'm not treating as lightheartedly as I'm currently treating Spider-Man, maybe I would feel a little bit differently. But um, to me, I, I don't, I wouldn't say it adds anything tremendously, but I find it pleasant. So I'm fine with it. Basically, is my take. I'll go. I'll go much farther. I I loved that, and and I I talked about this, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Just how I've never seen any game media anybody take spider-man and really nail peter parker as well as i think this game does and yeah there's a lot of wandering around you know talking to people at a homeless shelter but it humanizes the story in a way that i don't think you could get just in a cut scene for me walking through those areas doing science stuff that peter is involved in playing as Mary Jane, playing as other characters, it felt like I was accessing that world in a way that I didn't expect and that was supremely satisfying on a narrative level, on a sort of... um, uh, filling out the world in a way that I found to be enriching of the entire experience. Yeah. But I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from Christian, as far as uh, just the pure moment to moment of those being not as thrilling, obviously as swinging through the <laughs> buildings and smacking bad guys in the face with your foot. Yeah. I mean, for <laughs> me, my favorite moments in the game, and this is again, a very tiny knit. Um, like I feel like as a game that is, and I haven't finished it yet. So maybe it, zigs at some point um but it's very much telling the story of um peter slash spider-man doing too much over committing under delivering the, the the pressures of trying to be everywhere at once who do you protect who do you trust what do you do and the demands on his time um i find some of the side missions to be someone that was concerned about that wouldn't do like <clears throat> let me go do this thing uh, I, I don't think I would. So I started playing the game that way a little bit more. Whereas if I'm swinging from one place to a, 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 a next story beat and a crime starts happening below me or near me, I will totally go and do that. Cause I think Peter would, but as if I'm swinging one place to another and there's a research station along the way, I wouldn't do that because that's not super pressing. Whereas the rest of this stuff is starting to get ahead of steam on it. Um, so I think that kind of falls into 
my take on kind of how Alana was talking about the open world where my favorite moments in the game are, I just finished this story mission. I now need to go across town. And in my New York, all the subways are broken. Uh, <laughs> so I got to swing there. And as I'm swinging there, I will stop every crime that comes up along the way. And that's, that's Spider-Man to me. Like I swing down low on the street, take the people out, smash, 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 double whip back up, back onto my way, get to the story mission. And those moments are unmatched in the amount of joy that they create. And then it's just kind of balancing those moments with like, uh, you know, the other little things that you can do that aren't as pressing perhaps on Peter's time. So do you feel like there's ludo narrative dissonance? Like, like what the story is telling you and what you're doing just don't pair uh, for some of the side missions. Yes. And I, I struggle with that a lot in games, Jeff and our audience probably heard me talk about it, but the, I think the, the biggest example for me, Alana is like fallout four, where you kind of come out mm. of the vault and you're like, find your son or spend 200 hours building this town. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I, I get the video gaminess of it, but as I start getting into the plot or into the narrative, um, I guess I put too much of myself in that character and I have a hard time just playing. I want to get this suit. So I'm going to do all of these, you know, bomb races or whatever. It's like those, those bombs aren't going to activate until I go trigger them. So <laughs> I'm going to take care of this really big bad guy destroying the city. Then I'll get to those bombs. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, we're going to talk more games in a second, but I want to take a quick break and thank uh, our next sponsor, which actually fits right in here, Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 20,000 classes in business, design, technology, and more. Game design, uh, I love learning. I honestly, I feel like learning should be a lifelong pursuit. It's something I genuinely enjoy. Skillshare is this incredible resource that allows you to actually learn at your own pace with awesome classes that can zero in on the specific thing that you want to learn about. <laughs> One that I, uh, I noticed that uh, is very much about what we were talking about here today. There is a class, let me find it here. Uh, there is a class called Pokemon Go, Beginner's <laughs> Guide to Pokemon Go. <laughs> so if you're excited about the idea of Pokemon Go and you want to be good at it, uh, Skillshare has, has got your back. There's also much more uh, complicated stuff. There is a, uh, a class uh, that I was looking at <laughs> called Composing Super Nintendo Entertainment System Music. Amazing. Make music for the SNES. Skillshare has got your back. The, the level of depth. You can, there's a uh, make a 2D platformer in Unity. This class just te teaches you how to make a 2D platformer in Unity, which you can you know put on a laptop. If you want to learn game design, if you want to learn anything, there's there's classes in photography, there's classes in how to build the right resume to get yourself the right job. So much stuff on Skillshare. Like I said, over twenty thousand classes. Uh, so whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set or just want to learn about something, you're just interested. It's it's curiosity scratching. I, that's how I find it to be. I love that kind of stuff. Uh, check out Skillshare and you can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with this special offer just for listeners of DLC. You get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. <laughs> wow. That's right. Skillshare is offering DLC listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, Go to Skillshare.com slash DLC. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash DLC to start your two months now. 
That's S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E.com slash D-L-C. All right, Alana, uh, you also mentioned that you've been playing Overcooked. Are you playing it on Switch by any chance? No, just on console. On console. All right. You play it a local co-op or how do you enjoy your Overcooked? I have been playing local co-op and uh, I had never played it before recently. I just I just didn't really understand it. Like thought it was just going to be very basic. Uh, turns out, very difficult video game. And everybody, yeah. you all hate each other. <laughs> a bit of a friend ending yeah. that game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, a lot of yeah, poking really, really people enjoyed... in the ribs. Get the sushi off the thing, man! Yeah. Yeah, I think you you got to play it with the right people or it probably could start like giant feuds. But I haven't <laughs> yeah. had any of those. Everyone that I played it with has been very good about it. But uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I was really impressed by it. I um, I don't, I don't, I haven't played it by myself. What's it like playing it single player? I've never played it single player. Stressful, <laughs> stressful, and not as much fun. To, in, in my I opinion, I wouldn't imagine it being fun. Yeah, it's yeah. a, it's, it's the chaos that is fun, and the chaos is only, I think, fun with other people when you're bumping into the other chefs and you're, you know, trying to shout out what you're, what you've got and what they've got, and it, it feels like it needs that level of interpersonal mm. communication chaos to to make it really shine yeah I, I haven't played two though either i'm just playing the first overcooked oh, um i'm not sure what the differences are have you guys played the second one yeah, yeah two is uh in my opinion harder it, it gets you going faster um and the levels the stages are a little more diverse uh, overcooked one certainly gets hard as well um and i believe two also adds oh man I, i'm forgetting they added like they had more complexity to the recipes. There's another thing that kind of made it, you really had to hum. But it's it's a great sequel that is more of the same, uh, but really well done. And then uh, Destiny, you're pl- are you playing Forsaken, I assume? I am. And are you a, yeah, a I Destiny don't... fan from from the word go, or are you, have you just come to it? Well, I try to play everything, as I'm sure you can tell by that long list of different things that I'm playing right now. Sure. Um, so I could never be invested enough in Destiny that it's the only thing that I play. Like, I haven't done the raid. Uh, I'm not at the right light level for that just yet. But uh, I played it on launch and then just got back in on PC. And um, the thing with Destiny is, you know, it's it's Bungie. They know how to make a first-person shooter. It feels really, really good. Um, I really like the story component of Forsaken, and it also introduces an area that I think is probably the prettiest one that's been in Destiny so far. It basically looks like Rivendell from Lord of the Rings. It's really pretty. Mm. So there's a lot of stuff going for it, and I think uh, as a person who's playing it casually, Destiny is almost mindless, but a lot of fun. Um, but for people who are hardcore fans there are loads of problem with the end game and tons of issues with people feeling there isn't enough content the raid has been a little bit controversial because people are finding it uh too hard to reasonably (laughs) get there because you you really do need to grind for a long time and there are some issues with the meta where everyone grinds and ends up getting the same weapon in pvp and gambit which is sort of pve pvp mode ish um so there are problems but for me just jumping in having some fun with my friends who play on PC, having a good time. Destiny's great. <laughs> like I'm perfectly fine with not being aggressively invested in it and just playing it when my friends are on. And it's, it just feels like the original kind of world of Warcraft days. Yeah. Where like, well, I guess I did play a little bit too much of that, but it's like more people are playing it. So it's just like, yeah, this, this is chill, fun time. And I'm having, I'm having fun. I enjoy it. 
Yeah, that's that's the only way I've played Destiny in the past as well. Uh, I'm definitely not hardcore in Destiny, but it's a game that's fun to zone out and just blast things for a while and as you chat with yeah. your friends online. Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing this whole time, so it's been great. Yeah. Been chatting <laughs> with you. you know what? We can tell. <laughs> uh, Christian, what's on your playlist? The only thing I want to continue to talk about and I have not completed it yet, that'll probably be the next time I, I bring it up again. But I am still really enjoying Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Ugh, um, killing me. It, it is those other games. Um, the, the narrative is, you know, letting me down a little bit. I talked, I think it was last week, about I, I could see this potential, but I feared that it might not do its service. Um, and I don't think it is. But as a video game, the gameplay is so fun. And kind of like the way you and Alan are talking about Destiny, where I, I really like third-person action games, and I like what this reboot of Tomb Raider has done in terms of the you know the abilities and the movement and the feel of Lara as she kind of traverses the world. And I didn't mention this last week. Um, I, I forgot, but I really, really like the... We talked about it when they announced it, the difficulty settings. I know this isn't the first game to do it, but I am... If you know me, you know I often play these games on easy because I want to feel in the game the way the character is in the cutscenes. So in Uncharted, you know, Nathan Drake runs and jumps and shoots two people and grabs a rope and kisses the girl and jumps in a Jeep and drives away and grabs a rocket launcher. I want to be able to play like that. Uh, Tomb Raider the same way. Lara runs, jumps off a sinking boat, grabs onto a railing, backflips, kisses the dude, grabs a, you know, rocket launcher and saves the day. Um, but when you do that in all those other games, it turns everything easy. And Tomb Raider, I have set the combat to easy and left uh, puzzles on normal and exploration, I believe, hard, whatever it's called, experienced. I forget the word. And it's incredible. So now combat uh, scenarios aren't bogging me down. It's that fun, you know, action experience that I want to be having where I get to pretend like I'm the jaguar in the woods, you know, and stealthy crawling out. And it's not overly punishing with characters spotting me or, or being buffed with too much health. The puzzles still highlight the next thing for me to do. But when I'm exploring the world and in, in these lush, beautiful um, environments, I get to spend time in them and really kind of figure out where to go and what to do and how to best navigate them. And it's such a joyful experience that I hope other or more, I should say, third-person action games kind of adopt this approach. And uh, yeah, the narrative, I, I don't think will ultimately pay off, um, but don't overlook this game, especially if you've enjoyed the others in the series. It's just so fun to play and to crawl through the mud, muddy yourself up, get your bow and arrow out, shimmy across a vine wall, you know, take out these two brute hulking dudes and then climb up a cliff and see this beautiful vista of the destruction you've just wrought it's uh really enjoyable i feel like you're talking directly to me when you say don't overlook this one <laughs> did you did i was looking down the barrel of my camera so I, hopefully you yeah. were also staring back at me i, I, uh, <laughs> I am i have definitely overlooked it and i i hope that there will be time i just where's the time there's this not. year there's we not. got do you know what comes out assassin's creed next week and then Forza red dead red, red dead, dead is like 84 yeah, billion the hours long Ugh, i don't even know yeah but play it <laughs> find the time and play it <laughs> which brings me to my playlist and the problem the problem we could really do the heart of the problem uh of of my time and that is um i am into world of warcraft on this expansion in a way that i haven't been in 
years, maybe a Show decade. Show the tattoo. Show the yeah. tattoo. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's on my forehead. Um, it is uh, for the alliance always. It is uh, uh, okay. I want to. If you guys will indulge me, I want to take you on a bit of an odyssey. Can I ask a quick question first, though? Sure. To Alana, before we go on your odyssey, Alana, you mentioned I think in passing that you played WoW and Destiny is kind of that. I know Jeff has been sucked back in. Did you get sucked back in at all? Because you didn't mention it in all your other games. <laughs> no, uh, I have a really addictive personality when it comes to MMOs. Um, so I was really addicted to WoW when it first came out. And then I got really addicted to Neverwinter. And then Guild Wars 2 is probably my favorite MMO. Mm. But I have to like not play. I have to be like, I, if I want a life for this month, I'm not going to play this. So I actively avoided it. So take off your headphones. Well, Jeff will Try text not to you sell me you... on the drug. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I am. I am in that addiction right now. Hard, hard. Mm. Like every moment of every day, I just want to be on WoW. And I played vanilla. I played uh, day one. I bought the game day one. I leveled to 60. I did the whole, I've played every expansion. I've, I've been a lifelong wow player and yet huge sections of that game. I just never got into until now, namely PVP. I never played PVP hmm. ever. I just didn't think it was for me. It wasn't interested in it. Um, I, I knew that I didn't really have the skills to pay the bills and that's not really what I signed up for. I wanted the experience of being in a big, large open world, role-playing my character, you know, taking on cool PVE bosses and getting better loot and all the things that I like in video games and role-playing games. I found plenty of enjoyment and plenty of time uh, spent doing. I just, I was like, I don't want to get into a situation where I'm just losing all the time. That's not what I want to play these games for. So I never tried it. Mm -hmm. Didn't even really try it. Uh, just knew I it wasn't for me. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Mm. I am so in. A uh, friend of the show, Dan Trachtenberg, and I have uh, bun- did a, done a bunch of 2v2 arenas. If you're not familiar what are, with what arenas are in WoW, it is literally two pe- or four people enter, two people win. <laughs> Teams of two, you just enter a room and you fight. And that's it. <laughs> And it's just what you got the skills, you got the skills, which couldn't have sounded less appealing to me because I just didn't think that I would want to. I really believe that my many hours playing Here's the Storm has made me enjoy this stuff. And I'm playing Battlegrounds now. Battlegrounds are wild and fun and there are different levels of them. There are, there are short sort of capture the flag control point, you know, the kinds of stuff you would get in any multiplayer PVP game, uh, you know, short battlegrounds there, but then they have these epic battlegrounds in WoW, which I could go on and talk about for 20 minutes. I won't because I want to talk about something else. Uh, but um, uh, uh, those are like massive scale. I think it's 30 versus 30 horde versus alliance. You're like, you control these big epic points that give you benefits in the world. Like you can get a big airship that you can then go on and rain bombs down on the enemy's uh, fort, or you can get these tanks. And I mean, it's just massive and cool and super fun. And you really feel like you're in that scene in the two towers when all the orcs are raiding the thing and you're just part of an army rushing toward the, I mean, and it's all players. You're in this huge mass. It's awesome. Okay. The arena stuff was the sh- biggest shock to me that I would like it, that I would find fun with it, that I'm actually winning. Never would have imagined I would win I, again, very low ranked. I'm doing the ranked arena stuff, very, very low rank intro stuff, 
I'm certain there will be a point at which I'm like, ooh, I've met the bar. The bar. <laughs> I've hit the, the point at which people are really, really good at this. But here's the thing I really want to talk about, which is I'm left-handed. And it has been uh, a major curse my whole gaming life. Uh, I had to relearn how to use controllers with the left and right sticks. Uh, but I've always used a left-handed mouse. I've always had a la- mouse in my left hand. And I've always had to remap my keys playing PC games. It's never felt comfortable. I've, I felt like it's always been this huge impediment. And uh, I play, you know, where everybody does WASD, right? I, I play most games, PL semicolon apostrophe. So <laughs> Rolls off the down, tongue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the other side, basically. Um, and that's fine. It's just tedious and you have to remap your keys. And the problem is that there are very few actual left-handed mice available to purchase. Mm. This week, I have purchased no fewer than four mice and returned all of them. Uh, in, in this odyssey, this trek that I've been on to try to improve my performance in arena, realizing that much of my impediment to enjoying it, much of my impediment to getting good enough is just the alacrity with which I can input commands into this game. Because it's not like Heroes of the Storm. Here's the Storm, a MOBA for inputs. You have four buttons. Uh, you know, a MOBA, you have four things. You have three basic attack things and you have a ultimate basically four buttons there's a fifth button sometimes sixth and seventh buttons that can go in with few characters that have like traits that whatever but for the most part it's very straightforward you're only pushing four buttons and i am able to play that i don't have any impediment to that Uh, and maybe that's why i fell in love with that game and those kinds of games uh, because they didn't cause me a problem but uh wow is a very different story uh there are dozens of as anybody who's played wow knows you have a whole several rows of of talents and uh, abilities that you can activate at any given time and then when you get into pvp you get an entire new set of talents that are sometimes activatable uh that give you just myriad options at any given time so you have to be able to select them and you if you have a whole row multiple rows of of one through nine you know uh activatable abilities most people uh, map a lot of those to mouse buttons and then Mm. uh and then you know have uh, allow those to be layered by adding shift mouse button and alt mouse button or control mouse button so you have a a number of mouse buttons that you're able to push scroll wheel up scroll wheel down mouse buttons on your thumb all these things right so i had a razor mouse that was left-handed that I like very much that was very useful to me, but basically had two thumb buttons and the scroll wheel. That was the t- sum total of the inputs. And I was able to add shift to that to double it. But mostly what I was doing is adding commands to my right hand, my keyboard hand, and getting off of my movement keys to activate other things and basically playing the piano at very high speed, uh, which <laughs> is just not effective and, and put me at a disadvantage. So I decided I'm going to go on this odyssey to try to find a left-handed mouse that has more buttons on it. They don't make them. They don't make mm. them. There are ambidextrous mice. The one I'm, I'm settled on, I have now is actually another razor. I went through multiple Logitech mice. I went through 
any brand I spent, I drove to Fry's Electronics like six times to try to try. I've been on an odyssey, a, a quest this this uh, this week. Trying a real to life f- wow quest. You were given Indeed. a mission. <laughs> there was an exclamation point uh, over my head. Um, and it is extremely frustrating to me how few options there are for left-handed people. I tweeted this out. I have many left-handed friends, it turns out. And I also tweeted this out. The vast majority of people say, oh, I just learned how to do it with my right hand. I just I just conformed to the man and uh, fell in line with the rest of the right-handed world. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm too old for that. I, I'm not going to relearn how to play all video games today. I just I'm just going to be bad for too long. I, I don't have that kind of time. I need a left-handed mouse that w- works well. So I, I've settled on a a very poor, pale excuse for for what I need. Uh, it adds two additional buttons on top. I couldn't find any that give more than that. I couldn't find any with three thumb buttons. If you want a right-handed mouse that does that, you have so many options, but I couldn't find yeah. it for left-handed people. But the real epiphany came when I was talking to uh, Dan, my my cohort and these this experience uh and he was saying well why don't you just you you know use more alt you know alt commands and stuff and i was like alt how do you even, how could i even reach that i was like i guess it's understandable when you're on WASD, you can reach the alt keys next to the space bar but for me it's like i have to comport my hand in such a strange way i i'm not able to even do that he's like really it seems so easy to me i'm just i put my hand over here it just seems fine i'm like no 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 I don't know how you're doing that, but, and we sent pictures back and forth to each other and it, <laughs> I, you know, their hands on the keyboard. I realized not all keyboards are the same. Now this may be obvious to everybody listening. It is, was not obvious to me. I thought there was a keyboard layout and that's what, how people made keyboards. It turns out the length of the space bar and the relative position of the alt key next to it are vastly different among keyboards. Vastly different. There's so much variation I have learned over the past week uh, that I found my alt key was tucked way underneath the semicolon. And you can get keyboards with the alt key that is to the left of the L key on your keyboard, Hmm. which is what I have now done, which has changed my life. Changed my life, I tell you. Shorter space bar. Yeah, shorter space bar. That's all it took. So I know that this is almost of zero interest to anybody but me. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to, if the, it, just on the off chance that there are any left-handed listeners that have experienced any shred of this, uh, there is hope. It, it is a bleak world out there, uh, but I have persevered and I have uh, found a situation. And now we're like, we're rocking it. We got on like a, a six-match win streak last night in, in arena. It's because I can do my commands it's crazy. So I, uh, I have, I have uh, had so much fun with that. I wanted to tell you about doing our first mythic as well, but I've already run very long, so I will not uh, force people to endure that. But suffice to say, uh, World of Warcraft has taken over my life. I love it in ways that I haven't ever before. I'm, I'm just so deep, deeply in love with it that I have a hard time tearing myself away to play anything else. Uh, I put in some Bard's Tale for time, but man, it's just all wow all the time. It's all I want to do. Also, if you're a, a mouse company looking to kickstart your left-handed wow mouse and you need a spokesperson, yeah, man. I think Jeff will do it for a prototype. I, I think is what I just <laughs> Just let me have some say into what I have so many ideas. I, I, there's, again, these four mice that I bought over the week, all of them have 
things about them that I wish were in the mouse that I want, but none of them have all of the things, right? So it's like, if I could just take that from this one and that from this and that, I could create the perfect left-handed mouse. There was actually a left-handed MMO mouse that was on a Kickstarter evidently this last year. I was not aware of it or I would have, you know, paid my money, donated my money, but I guess it failed. It's Kickstarter failed. So, Oh no. Yeah. Sad, sad state. People don't think about accessibility options quite as much, which ties back into the Tomb Raider conversation. Like the, the difficulty settings and that are really, really cool. And uh, one thing I always have that drives me crazy because it rules me out a lot is uh, I have tendonitis in both of my wrists from using my thumbs too much, generally from playing video games. And uh, any game that has a lot of QTEs, I can't play for very long. Like, I even Mm. have trouble with boss fights in Spider-Man because it's a lot of tapping. It's just a thing that I'm like, if you could just turn off QTEs or you could, like... Because some uh, games do change it to hold instead of repeatedly tap. You can there are settings for that. It's like it's a thing that's important. Yeah. Think about the different problems people have with their hands. Wow. <laughs> I think yeah. it drives Spider- me crazy. I think Spider Man, you might be able to turn them off. I'm not. You sure. know what? I stupidly haven't checked, but I have had two boss fights where I was like, "Ooh, my wrist is hurting a whole lot" because I'm just pressing the dodge button so much. But I, I think I you actually can. haven't checked on that. One. I think you can like some version of QTE. Yes, and then also in Tomb Raider. Uh, I, I did turn off the tap as well. It's just a whole yeah. God of War was good at that also. It, we're yeah. starting to see more of it, but not enough of it, 100%. Should be standard and everything pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think I think people are realizing that. Um, and hopefully yeah. it's, we're, we're just at the beginning of it. All right. Lefties will come next. Yeah, we ne- never. And that's the problem <laughs> is because we conform. And, and like I said, all these lefties that I've talked to, it's like, well, I just learned how to do it right-handed. So I buy the right-handed mouse. It's like, yeah, okay. But that's how they win. That's how they win. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I want to tell you about our next sponsor, Robinhood. Uh, Boy, talk about things that are confusing and frustrating. I have never felt very confident uh, investing. And it is something that, uh, as a person with now two kids and uh, a wife and uh, a life ahead of me, I really should be thinking about this more and not just putting any money I have in the bank and letting it just sit there not working for me. It's time to really think about my future. It's time to think about investing. Robinhood is an investing app that makes it so simple. And it also makes it so that you don't have to spend a bundle. Uh, The problem with investing in the stock market, or one of the problems, I think, is that uh, you think you know what you're doing. You're, you're 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 trying to figure it out, and in that process, you're spending all these monies making trades because it tends to be the case that you have to pay per trade. Well, Robinhood lets you buy and sell stocks, options, cryptos, all commission free. This is crazy. So they're trying to make financial services work for everybody, not just the wealthy. They're trying to open up investing to people who wouldn't think about doing it before. It's simple. It's intuitive. It has a clear design with data presented in an easy to digest way. It's an app. It's all on your phone. It's it's no commission fees. So other brokerages can charge as much as 10 bucks for every trade. Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees at all. You trade stocks and keep all of your profits. The design is easy to use and you can learn by doing. You can experience the, uh, the, the process of investing your money by doing it. So check this out. Robinhood is going to give listeners of DLC a free stock like Apple, Ford, Sprint to help build your portfolio. 
If you sign up at dlcpodcast.robinhood.com, that's dlcpodcast.robinhood.com. That's pretty awesome. Get started. Learn how to do it. Become the kind of person that you want to be. If this is the kind of person you want to be, it's certainly the kind of person I want to be. Uh, I think this is the way to do it. You can learn by doing it without spending a whole lot of money along the way. dlcpodcast.robinhood.com Time to talk a little VR. Uh, Alana, you mentioned that you have spent some time in VR. Uh, what What are you playing there? So I... Anytime that I am anywhere that I'm able to talk about VR, I like to tell people about the good word of Kronos. Have you heard of that? Mm, indeed, I have. Yeah, it was one of the launch titles for the Oculus. It was. Um, and this is not playing it currently. I just always want to bring it up. Made by Gunfire Games, the same team who's making Darksiders 3. And it's just such a fantastic game that I just adore so much. So if you like, uh, I would say it's a narrative experience, very Zelda-esque, a little bit of Dark Souls in there. Definitely check that out. It's it's one of my favorite VR games. But more recently, I've just been playing a lot of Beat Saber. Um, I'm actually getting my, <laughs> my cardio out of playing Beat Saber because you get really sweaty from playing that game. And I just uh, was testing my heart rate and i got up to i think it was like 150 which is pretty close to what my maximum heart rate would in theory be for uh, cardio and it's just playing that game and you forget that you're playing it you get really sweaty it's a lot of fun yeah. um for anyone who hasn't heard of it you sort of have two lightsabers and it's it's like dance dance revolution but uh you sort of hit boxes in time with with the tracks and i'm finding it a lot of fun it's the best. Yeah. I, my wife, I've mentioned before on the show, my wife has told me that uh, I am to put a towel down on the floor when I play that <laughs> game. Uh, and I often, uh, when I've decided to play Beat Saber, I often get in my bathing suit to play it. No, Not no a bad joke. idea. Yeah. Uh, it, is, uh, it is indeed th- thrilling and fun. And it is, I, I th- you know, I don't mean to overstate this, but gamification of exercise is 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 a buzzword that I think really is the future. I know I know it it seems trendy and it seems a buzzword, but there is something to it, and there is there is this notion of wanting to do something because it's fun and also gives you exercise. Uh, th- there's something to that that I think we're really just on the cusp of, and I think VR is a place that benefits from it and makes it all the more fun and because your inputs are in your hands and you're moving and going i think we are just on the beginning of where that's headed yeah i mean i lost uh, about 40 pounds about five years ago now i think and i did that uh in part by playing video games i was actually using connect may it rest in peace but also by hmm. gamifying my fitness routine of my own accord. And then I'd be like, okay, well, I'm leveling up because this week I'm lifting slightly heavier. And that's really the only way that I could get myself to actually do exercise. And it really works for me. <laughs> I think it probably works yeah. for most people who play video games. And games like Beat Saber, um, even Super Hot in VR, I sometimes look like woke up a sweat playing through that. Um, I know there have been articles about other fitness specific games where people have lost up to 60 pounds just playing VR games. So it's, it's awesome. And it, you forget that you're exercising, I think, aside from, you know, getting incredibly sweaty, but 
yeah, Beat Saber, even if it wasn't good exercise, I think I'd still really enjoy it. <laughs> so let me ask you a couple of questions about that. Are you playing any of the modded songs in Beat Saber, or are you sticking to the ones in the game? I have. Um, so at the moment, I'm, I actually last played yesterday. Uh, I'm trying to nail all the songs on hard, like all of the ones mm-hmm. that, that come with Beat Saber, but I have tried uh, some of the um, like user-submitted ones, and I like it a little... favorites? I, I couldn't name them for you. Um I do, yeah. but I could not tell you the names. <laughs> but I, I, I find it like it's not updated as frequently as I hoped it would be on launch and that we're not getting new content as much as I would, would have hoped. But um, I, I like all of them and I think it works really well. Yeah, the the world of the modded uh, user community is is pretty awesome. I mean, they yeah. they have people have come up with really well uh, tracked, I guess is the verb, uh, well um uh, plotted out uh, beats in Beat Saber for for a lot yeah. of really popular songs, uh, which is awesome. And um, and it's become pretty easy to get get uh, you know popular songs that weren't built into the game into the game. So uh, it's a it's a pretty trivial thing to actually make that happen. So yeah, it's, I've it, actually it's mostly awesome. played songs that I've not heard before from the user submitted stuff, and then I haven't been playing popular songs. I've been playing songs I've never heard before that I was of the impression that there were like producers who are making music and it was their own songs they were then putting in Beat Saber. I'm not sure if that's right, but that's what I thought was happening, which I was like, this is extra cool because I'm like hearing this song for the first time and it's some cool EDM. There was a a really cool synthwave song that I heard for the first time the other day that was like, oh, this is really interesting. It's just in there as a visual medium that you get to enjoy while also listening to something new for the first time. It's cool. That's awesome. Uh, Which headset do you use? Uh, I'm actually just using the Oculus. Like even when it comes to like literal headset, I'm just using the built-in speakers. So I'm I'm not mm-hmm. probably not doing it the right way. No, that's how but, I do it. I, I'm yeah. I'm a Rift. Yeah, I uh, I'm pretty much exclusive to Rift at this point. Um, yeah, I just find it find it to be the most. Do comfortable. you use the uh, the built-in speakers as well? I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, yeah, they're, they're fine. They're great. Phones. Yeah, they do fine for me. And I I really just I like that you can kick them up if if you want to be able to hear something else as well. I really like yeah. they're so easy to just like lift up off your head and you can still hear people in the room or whatever else. I want to talk about a game I've been playing in VR as well. It's called Windlands 2. Uh, Windlands was one of the first, uh, it was sort of an early Oculus game and it had an awesome uh, mechanic. It had an awesome traversal concept. Basically, you were Spider-Man. I mean, it's a perfect game to talk about these days when everybody's hot and bothered about Spider-Man as they should be. Uh, this is the experience of being Spider-Man. Uh, Windlands 2, I think, improves on the game in every conceivable way. Windlands 2 is if Spider-Man and The Legend of Zelda had a baby. Mm. Uh, it has got the aesthetic of like a Wind Waker, uh, which works well in VR in, in a way that, that you know... It, you, you, I think I might have seen it at a PAX. Is it the one that looks a little bit blocky? It's like a little, a little bit minecraft yeah, I guess you could describe it that way. It's not quite Minecrafty. It's more, I, I think it's more uh, Wind Waker. It's, it is mm. a little blocky, but and it's full of trees and outdoor areas and stuff. And you are swinging around. You, you can attach your grappling hook to different surfaces and propel yourself and swing. And you have a grappling hook on both hands. So you're, so you're Spider-Man. You're shooting a grappling hook from each hand and swinging from place to place. And you got to keep momentum going. It's a platformer, I guess, technically, but 
it, it is so much more. And Winlands 2, first of all, adds multiplayer, which is amazing. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm excited to try it. Uh, but also it adds this awesome um, bow and arrow that you have all the time. So uh, there are enemies that you have to defeat. There are bosses. The game is actually pretty challenging, I find, uh, but really fun. And so you're swinging and swinging, and then at any time you can turn your hands into a bow and arrow and do a cool bow and arrow thing in VR. Uh, it is exhilarating. Hmm. Just the pure sensation of swinging through the world. You can leap as well. Um, there are only certain surfaces that your grappling hook catches onto. So it is, uh, a lot of it is, can I get to that place? How do I get to that place? Can I maintain my momentum to get over this chasm to get far enough? Oh, it's just unreached. Oh, I fell and died. But (laughs) the game is brilliant in that frequent checkpoints that are clearly marked, you know, exactly when you get to a checkpoint. In fact, some of the strategy of the game is how do I get to the next checkpoint? Um, But also instantaneous respawn, instantaneous. So sometimes you, in fact, will use a respawn just to get around because you're like, oh, I made a wrong turn. I'll just go back because it's so instantaneous. It just teleports you back to the respawn. So awesome. Yes, it is essential, essential, essential in these kinds of games. Uh, No uh, frustration because you literally like, oh, I missed that jump back to the start. Boop, instant. Um, So it, it is great fun thrilling and you feel like spider-man i mean you you're swinging through these wildly cool environments yes the graphics are a little simplistic and cartoonish but uh i think nonetheless you still have a sensation of soaring and having momentum and and you know swinging uh through and between and under things it's awesome uh that's windlands 2 i'm playing it on oculus rift but i think it's available on everything all right, uh, let's uh, thank our... No, let's not. Let's do some quick questions. What do you say? Quick questions. Quick questions are sent in by you, our listeners. They're sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also post them in our quick questions thread in our subreddit, which is 5 by 5 dlc.reddit.com. The first one comes from Josh DeLong. He says, my quick question is, do you actually enjoy collectible and similar tasks in games? I'm talking about the level below even side quests. For example, Spider-Man backpacks and research stations, God of War, realm tears and ravens, etc. I feel compelled to do them all and complete the game, but deep inside, no game has ever made them not feel like chores that are there just to pad the game time. It's like developers still have no idea how to fill an open world, so that's what we get. I sometimes think I'd prefer a much more linear world that keeps me engaged in the story and that reveals new gameplay elements instead of more towers, icons, and voice recordings. We kind of talked about this a little bit already. Uh, Alana, how do you feel about that? So uh, back before I walked in the industry, I used to compulsively collect everything um, in every game that I was playing. But now my attitude has changed. Maybe it's not even because I started working in games. My attitude has changed. Then I won't go for every collectible in the interest of playing more video games. Because the way that I look at it has always been, if I'm spending more time going to 100% one thing, that's probably one less game I have time to play that year. So now I'm in favor of playing more video games, less collecting everything. And it did take me a really long time to have that sort of light switch moment where I was like, I can turn this off. Because when I was making that transition out of being a completionist, you know, I played every game on the hardest difficulty possible to get all the achievements and trophies and what have you. 
it was really hard for me to be like, this isn't necessary. I don't need to do this. And this actually comes back to sort of World of Warcraft. And I, I do often wonder if those things are inherently fun if anyone actually enjoys collecting or the reason people consistently do it is because you are getting a false sense of accomplishment even though you aren't actually doing anything you are constantly feeling rewarded you're constantly feeling like you are achieving something and so therefore you keep doing it and I've always had that with wow it's like I got very addicted to it but did I enjoy playing that game or did I like the constant sense of achievement that I got from leveling up or getting new loot or whatever else is uh, in place there and, and that's always an article I've wanted to write is like the psychology the psychology behind how enjoyable or fun collectibles actually are I think for me I decided they are not fun the only games that I'll do them in are ones that I adore and I want to get more time out of so I have been doing them a fair bit with Spider-Man and I play through Banjo-Kazooie like almost every year and I'll get every single collectible uh, every note in Banjo-Kazooie because it's a thing like I want more out of that game world and I think that's a cool option but yeah I, I don't generally think they're enjoyable Two things. First of all, you're way more hardcore than me or I've ever <laughs> been. Uh, but uh, secondly, uh, I think you bring up a really good point, And it's something I think about all the time. Uh, it is I don't think it is just restricted to collectibles as far as this idea of reward and how that sort of tickles our lizard brain and gives us that dopamine rush of having accomplished something. I as much as I love video games, I think it applies to video game design in general. And mm -hmm. uh, it, is, it is something that I actively worry about, especially with my kids. Like I'm too far gone at this point. I love me some wow, but I, and I, and every other video game. And I often wonder, am I just getting that dopamine hit? And if so, is it bad? Is that bad? Uh, it may not be. It may be a perfectly legitimate thing to do with my free time. Uh, as I've said many, many times, a moment enjoyed is not wasted. And if I'm getting joy out of it, so be it. But there's a part of me that goes, is this this weird manipulation of myself that I shouldn't be indulging in? Again, hmm. not really the question we're answering, but I, you brought it up. And I think that's a fascinating <laughs> thing that I've struggled with. Yeah, I definitely don't think the dopamine hit is bad i don't feel like getting that enjoyment is bad but i do think that the some games that i can get very addicted to that i need to take a step back and be like am, am i actually enjoying this or am i just addicted to a sense of accomplishment and collectibles were that for me for sure until there was a point where i was like i need to not do this anymore so i can play more stuff <laughs> so I, I did have to chill on that but i know i'm sure there are people who just genuinely enjoy them but for me i always yeah. like to treat it as if there's a game whose world I adore and I don't want to leave that world. And I was like that with God of War and I want to spend more time, but I don't really have that much left to do. Um, then I'll go for the collectibles because it gives me an excuse to stay there longer. Christian, what do you think about this question? Well, to your and Alana's point, the, I'll see if I can find it. There is an article or, or actually a research paper. I was researching for something else um, in the, in this gamification in terms of, you know, just collecting things or getting things with dopamine hit. I mean, we see it in, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like yeah, if you have a tweet yeah. that everyone in the world loves, but you don't know it, how satisfying is that for you? And what this uh, particular research article is about was the idea of kind of saying inherently there's nothing, I'm summarizing it very broadly, um, inherently there's nothing wrong with seeking out that dopamine hit of the collectible or doing the thing crossing off the list. Where they see it as a problem, though, is that most of 
your outside life isn't that way. And so they kept it similar. They uh, did an analogy to sport where it's when you're playing soccer, you might practice for four hours, but every time you kick the ball, you don't see a thing that like, you're getting better at kicks. You're getting better at kicks. You got worse at kicks, better at kicks. And so we're not given that feedback for things and we start to expect it. And oftentimes video games don't punish you. Um, You're constantly being rewarded you might not be rewarded at the same level but rarely if you're playing it and engaging with it does it take away things from you and in life that can happen if you engage or interact with something in a negative way you suffer very real and negative consequences uh for doing that or like i've been i've been going to work every day for three months and working hard and I haven't gotten anything out of it other than this <laughs> dumb paycheck. Like nobody has well, told me how great I am. No, you're getting once. you're getting laid off. You're getting laid off because the company's going under. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. Like this uh, this you idea. Moved here last week, and uh, sorry. Yeah. Well, you know the, this idea that uh, if you know if you you know your kid takes the trash out and you give him a dollar every time he takes the trash out, and then one day you're like, hey, we take the trash out. Well, give me the dollar. I'm not going to do anything unless you give me a dollar. It's that if we're constantly getting this this hit for things and then not, and then have to do things in the real world that don't give you the hit. Are you going to ever do them? Right. And get addicted to that sensation instead. Yeah. And this article is very much about sport and kind of how we better ourselves and, and what impact will this have on athletes and the way that coaching is trying to work around it. It was fascinating. I'll see if I can find it. No promises because as research happens, you know, (laughs) things get left in the wayside, but I think I have it in in the doc somewhere. Um, answering this particular question, I'm not very good at video games, but I'm always very good at stopping things that I'm no longer having fun. So I have never been obsessed with collecting things. I found all the backpacks because I love them. I love that lore. I love the story bits, but if I do not enjoy doing something in a video game, I have no problem either not playing the video game anymore and, or not collecting all of the little doodads. That is my one strong point in my video game. Playing. I think that means you're good at video games. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's funny. I, I, I've been thinking of God of War as an example of a game that really didn't have a lot of that stuff and really kind of was a revolution in the in the uh, uh, open world space of just get, kind of streamlining things and cutting out the fat and the essentials. And he's like, what about the tears and the ravens? It's like, oh, yeah, there was a lot of ravens. I just ignored the ravens for the it most part. It had a lot of that. Yeah. They are fun. Yeah. Uh, but I, and I felt that game was more focused than most as far as yeah. that kind of stuff. But But, you know. It's interesting. Uh, this quick question comes from Colin. Quick question. What is the difference between a 2D brawler and a game like Batman or Spider-Man? Is it more than the extra D? This is a philosophical question that I kind of like. Alana, would you have a take on, is there a difference between Final Fight and Batman Arkham Knight? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I find this one hard to answer because I feel like the differences are very broad but hard to define. Like, it's not enough to be like, oh, but it has a third-person camera in Batman, so it's different. Because, you know, a lot of the fun in that game is building up your combo, and you aren't controlling the camera while the combos are happening. It's generally just Batman flying across the, the screen. So it's it's difficult. I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely different. I'll give you that. And I'm done. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, more than just an extra D? Yes, they are cousins or second cousins but it is more than the extra d and the difference is the complexity of the combat where those brawlers and maybe a 2d brawler will come and do this but it is um it's not just 
pre-memorized button presses as your combos. Things are fluid. You're able to adapt on the fly. Enemy AI is also changed. Whereas those classic 2D brawlers, which I love as I sit next to my, I do this show next to my Punisher on Genesis uh, cart every time. Um, they either had dial a combos or no combos at all. And the fighting mechanic was much more based on um, simple avoidance and timing. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, pixel counting in terms of how the enemies attack and the move um, to that third person floating camera uh, shifts it from that type of combat into a, a more fluid and reactionary and dynamic combat. Second cousins are cousins, but more than just an extra D. Jeff, what about you? I don't know if I would even go second cousins or cousins. I would go direct descendant. I would go, I would even go farther. I would say if they had the technology to make Final Fight a 3D game in 1987 or whenever it came out, it would have been Batman. It would have been the same kind of thing. Like that's the game they wanted to make. They were just restricted by the technology. Blame Street of Rage 4. Well, because then they created this thing and now they're... <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Thing. It's like, well, then why are people still making them? I think I think because it, it became a, uh, you know, it's a nostalgia thing now. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know if there is that much difference more than an extra D. I think, yes, there's a big open world around in, in the Batman and the Spider-Man games. But uh, I think fundamentally it is the same thing. I think it's this, it's I think they are direct descendants or uh, I think interesting. It's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Thank you Colin for sending it in. Uh last one this one comes from Wesley. He says, "What two game franchises would you like to see do a crossover game in the vein of Mario Cross XCOM, mm-hmm. which of course is Kingdom Mario plus rabbits." Yeah, and or Zelda Cross uh Dynasty Warriors, which is Hyrule Warriors. Warriors. Hmm. Uh, got any ideas for this one, Alana? I think this is a really cool question. I mean, I always wanted to have a Pokemon game, uh, akin to Fallout Three, where I could like become a gym leader or sign up as mm. Team Rocket or open up like my own Poke Center type thing. Like, I always wanted that impossible crossover to happen. Um, but I, I actually probably would have said a DC fighting game before Injustice came out. Because I just think that oh, yeah. I, that game's so ah. cool and I love that universe. So they kind of nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, this is crazy. First of all, uh, we had Kat Bailey on last week and she brought up the same idea about, I mean, we, had, we didn't ask this question, but she brought it in just in passing the idea of playing as a Pokemon trainer in a game, yeah. which is pretty funny. I guess a lot of people want it. Are you listening, game designers? Um, <laughs> They're never listening and, uh, over the Pokemon company. <laughs> they do whatever they want. True. That's true. Um <laughs> And then the secondly, uh, you blew my mind because that was what I was going to say. I want Injustice cross Marvel, please. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I, I, I don't love the Capcom Marvel fighting games, but I do love the uh, the um, Nether Realm DC mm-hmm. fighting games. I just have never been as big of a DC fan as I am a Marvel fan, and I would love a Marvel done with that same level of polish and just have them do it that's that is my dream uh, of them christian you have a a great cross you'd like to see i think a lot of mine have been done um i'd like to see them again i'd like to see comic book cross diablo i I loved those games and they've kind of fallen out of 
um, fashion. Um, DC, Marvel, I, 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 hopefully we see those again. I know they kind of tried with Marvel Heroes and it, it didn't quite catch on. Um, and then I was trying to think what I want to cross it with and maybe they're making it, hopefully, as uh, Playground Games is working on some other open world game. But I want that. I want Forza Horizon cross like action game somehow like was it need for speed run one of them tried to do it like they've tried to have this awesome car game like i love forza horizon basically is what i'm saying (laughs) and every great vehicle game i love they add like an out of your vehicle section star wars rogue squadron three i think was the one uh and it's never as good but but you could just yeah yeah buy your cars and organize your garage and like walk around and it was cool i liked it yeah right it was cool and even like tony hawk one of the or skate one of the skate like you could walk around like i want that i want someone to pull off like forza horizon cross uncharted that i think (laughs) i think i'm done after that that's my game don't know what that is but i'm intrigued Horizon yeah. with good driving sections. I mean, Horizon sections. is incredible. Like, God, those games are so, just such good arcade races. We could just, just give me more Forza Horizon every year. That's the only franchise that I'm like, yeah, annualize it. I don't mind. Do it. Oh, it's so good. It well, now imagine, though, if you could just park by a jungle and get out and do Nathan Drake for a couple hours. That or Lara Croft. Good. Imagine, imagine, imagine playing Forza Horizon, but not driving. No, no, no. You do that also, and then you park for a little bit. I mean, like, three almost, like, touched on it a little bit with uh, the events. Like, you know, you're, like, recruiting people, and you're, like, building up yeah. your events. And, and if they made that, like, more of a management sim, oh, my God, I would be on board. If it was, like, a stressful management sim where you have to, like, organize festivals while also being a racing game, it was almost that. If they had done it, you're I'd, actually doing I'd never play anything else. <laughs> I love how the thing that would get you addicted is the stressful management sim yeah. part of it. Hell yeah. Make it more Alana, like work. I have a game for you. Uh, it's called This Festival I Want to Plan. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Awesome. Uh, those were excellent uh, quick questions. Thank you all for sending them in. If you want to have your quick question featured on the show, you can send it in to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or post it on our subreddit. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, hey, let's thank our final sponsor, which is Squarespace. You've heard me talk about Squarespace lots of times, I'm sure. Uh, Squarespace, love it. I have used it for a decade, straight up, 10 years or more. Uh, I think actually my jeffcanada.com was built on Squarespace in 2008. So there you go. Still there, still going strong, still loving it, still recommending it to all my friends. If there's any thing you need online, if there's any reason for you to own a website, make a website. And let's be honest. At a certain point, everybody needs a website for something, whether it's to uh, publish content, blog, or sell products, or have a, you know a business that you are part of, promote any kind of activity, anything, anything where you need people to know about something. The web is the place, and websites are the web. I don't know how to make it more clear. The place to make a website, the easiest way to do it, the clearest, the best looking, Squarespace.com. Why pay somebody? Why have to learn HTML when you can use the tools that Squarespace.com has provided, has created, has honed over years and made so simple. It's all drag and drop. It's all what you see is what you get. They also have 24-7 award-winning customer support. They have built-in search engine optimization. They have analytics that help you grow in real time. They have free and secure hosting. They never make you patch or upgrade anything ever. It is the way to do it. The way to do it. I've been doing it 
This way, I tell all my family and friends, uh, Squarespace is the only option if you're looking to make a website. And you make it yourself. You make it yourself. It looks awesome. It stands out. It looks great. So check out squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me for a free, tr- a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, you can use the offer code Jeff sent me to save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. And then the, uh, the promo code, all one word, Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. Give them a shot. They've been supporting the show since its inception. We're grateful to Squarespace and it's an awesome product. So give it a shot. All right, we're going to wrap the show up now. We do have a parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. But uh, I do need to thank Alana for being here. Thank you, Alana Pierce. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been fun. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Can you tell people where they can keep up with you and your goings-on online? I am on the internet on all of the social medias at Charalanazad, which is my name in the middle of Charizard. It's very hard to remember, but, you know, I believe in you. And uh, yeah, I work for a comedy gaming channel called uh, Funhouse, which is spelled F-U-N-H-A-U-S. Awesome. Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Uh, This will be the last week of Department of Parenting. Our last new episode will drop on Wednesday, but the back catalog is there for you if you need it. You can you find fixed it. You did all the parenting that there is. Yeah, all the parent. We, we, the fixed. department. Actually, oh. Jeff, it's just been um, cutbacks. Oh. That's yeah. less exciting. I thought you yeah. fixed children forever. No, it was between us or this one pothole on 42nd, and we didn't get the budget. The pothole did. So 42nd? <laughs> Sweet. Right there in Times Square, they fixed the pothole? They fixed finally, which will save a lot of kids uh, a bumpy <laughs> ride. But you can find everything at departmentofparenting.com. The last episode will drop, like I said, on Wednesday. And then you can check out my other little geeky show, at least 20 more minutes. Uh, new episodes out on Tuesdays to patrons and everybody else on Friday on the Uninformed Opinions podcast feed. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. Twitch is Christian Spicer and uh, Twitter at Spicer. I think that's... Uh, tried to... Oh, uh, no, I'll mention this as a party gift. That's good. That's good. I'm good. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I also do the Slash Filmcast, talking about movies and TV shows over at SlashFilmcast.com. This week, we're talking about Mandy. Woo, that's going to be a discussion. I tell you what, if you know anything about that movie. Uh, so check that out over SlashFilmcast.com. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Alana, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? So I've been uh, very hot into reading the Wheel of Time series, if you guys have heard of that. Mm. It is, uh, it's. I mean, it's 15 books, so I think it, 14 or 15. It's a lot of fantasy and books. None of them are short. None of them are short. <laughs> uh, starts off very similar to Lord of the Rings and then gets really crazy and goes its own way and um basically anyone who's into fantasy i regret that i took this long to get into it um the middle of the series gets a little rough and uninteresting but largely i feel like it's just added in a, in a strange way it's just given me a, a more vivid imagination of even other fantasy universes because it just builds on things in such an interesting way and um i feel richer for having read the series so definitely check it out very cool it's the wheel of time books yes. uh started out by robert jordan um christian how about you you got a parting gift 
Yeah, one thing, it's over when you're listening to this, but I still, I need to give them a shout out and you can still donate to their cause. But a friend of the show, uh, Spawn on Me, they do these uh, Spawn for Good charity streams. I was a part of it this past weekend. I played some Spider-Man. You can find it on my Twitch. Uh, But Khalif, they were raising money for uh, vote writers, which helps give people access to vote. They're not telling you how to vote, but just getting people signed up and access to vote. And they set a goal uh, to raise money this weekend and they smashed through their goal while we were doing this show so that is awesome congratulations to them uh incredible work that they do over there and i love those guys in that show um my parting gift to people uh if they want to go support vote writers or voting in general and registering to vote uh do it while listening to the midnight's new album kids which i think i, I tweeted it out i think it i honestly think it's the midnight at the top of their game it is so wistful and it's it's, it's full of everything that makes me happy. I wish I could articulate it better somehow. I even like the interstitials between songs of like cutting of Saturday morning cartoons or early Nintendo commercials. It captures that era of young video games, VHS tapes, BMX bikes uh, in, in a musical way that is so full of joy. Go listen to the Midnight's new album, Kids. It's awesome. I attempted to articulate it. You said you wished you could articulate it. I attempted to articulate it on Twitter. I said, uh, the midnight is what my heart remembers growing up in the eighties sounded like. Oh, that's great. It's not maybe how it actually sounded, but it's what my heart thought it it, thinking back is what my heart remembers. You know, it's it's my red line BMX bike going to Schwinn's to buy airheads and play street fighter. There is no better band to have on in your car with the window down on a warm night, just driving. It it is absolutely, I I am such a massive fan of the midnight. Uh, Yeah. And the new album kids is, is as good as anything they've ever done. It's fantastic. So I, and they're on tour. It's probably sold out, but go anyway, if you can, if you can find them in your city, go Uh, Tim and Tyler live. They're incredible. What they do live and every, they're so good. Go see them. Yeah. Uh, we got a listener-suggested parting gift. This uh, was sent into dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Aaron Suarez, who says, My parting gift suggestion is a YouTube channel. It's called Shots of Awe, and it's from Jason Silva, who some may know as the host of Brain Games. His passion for learning and just living is infectious. Is infectious, <laughs> And like Jeff, just loves loving things. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so check that out. It's a YouTube channel called Shots of of awe, S-H-O-T-S, of A-W-E. Cool. I'll have to give that a look. Um, mine's going to be a little obnoxious, but I wanted to mention it. I uh, I did buy a Apple Watch Series 4. I had not owned an Apple Watch up to this point. I had stayed off the entire smartwatch bandwagon. In fact, my wife had got me uh, an Apple Watch a couple years ago as a gift, and I made her return it because I didn't want it. Did not want it. Uh, but it has won me over. I really have loved it. One it had, of us. Yeah. One of us. Yeah. Well, although I have to say my biggest gripe is that Christian will, refuses to become walkie-talkie buddies with me. And I so will not. Half the reason I even got it was to be walkie-talkie buddies with Christian, and he won't be walkie-talkie buddies with me. Um, Jeff, I'm not going to be walkie-talkie buddies with you. I know. It's got a cool walkie-talkie feature on my – and I even put the walkie-talkie button on my face, uh, on the face, you know, so that I could just touch it any time. I just need some walkie-talkie buddies, and Christian, I thought would be the perfect walkie-talkie buddy. But How about this? With me. 
if you get a left-handed MMO mouse. <laughs> I'll just, just rubbing salt in my wounds now. Um, Did you get that mouse yet? Anyway, I, uh, I, the, it, it really is just my phone comes out of my pocket less, which is pretty amazing. The first time I answered a phone call on my wrist, it was like, well, this is awesome. Uh, so it's, it, it really is just simple things. And then the other thing is uh, I, went, I run a lot and I went on a run with it and it, you know, told me all the data about my run. There's lots of ways you can get that stuff, but uh, I really appreciated that. And it really did motivate me that whole activity applet that is in it uh has motivated me i don't know if it'll stick around i mean i have it's still got its new car smell uh, so maybe that'll wear off after a while but i it has motivated me to 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 stay active and to sort of chart that stuff and feel good about myself when i hit my goals so i'm enjoying it it's ex- it's expensive certainly but it is uh been joyous i have this uh, the uh batman smartwatch it's my first smartwatch that you can you know tie into your apple messages and all that but it's i mean it's incredibly lame and extremely nerdy but when you uh, get your steps goal for a day it comes up with this notification and plays this like classic batman music and tells you that you've you've fought enough crime for that day and you've taken down the riddler or whatever and it also uh oh sends God. you on patrols awesome. so it'll be like oh gotham needs you you haven't been walking for two hours or whatever make sure you go for a walk it's it's i just think it's very cute and it's a lot cheaper than an Apple awesome. watch, so you can still get those but much much cheaper can i just get like a full conversion to my apple watch i just want i want that now Not that's what i want that's awesome. i think it's like 120 dollars um and yeah it's just <laughs> looked it up it's uh batman smart watch by 161 and i i do feel like it's it's just so cute <laughs> and very watch. very cheesy that's amazing <laughs> All right, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Alana Pierce and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all of our uh, musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those fun bumpers. Thanks to the folks hanging out in our chat rooms live, making the show better in real time. We appreciate you guys. And thank you to all of you listening. We wouldn't be here but for your downloads. So thank you. And uh, please take a second, maybe recommend the show to a friend or... Give us a review on your platform of choice. It really does help. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.